Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au. So good to be in the house of God. So good to gather together and to be able to worship His name. Why don't we open in prayer this morning. And Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. And we're so grateful that we can gather together as the church of Jesus Christ to glorify you and to honour you, Lord God. And we invite you by the Holy Spirit. Just come and be part of this service, Lord God. This is about your time. Father God, we want to we meet with you above all else, Lord God. And through the singing, the word as it shall be preached, we pray that you would accomplish your purposes in our lives. Father, pray for those that have walked into church with burdens and, and going through a difficult time, Lord God. I just pray that, it, that by the Spirit of God, that you would meet with them, Lord God, and that your, your name would be glorified in and through their lives, Lord God, and would bind every distraction, every work of the enemy in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that you're the God that speaks. We thank you that you're the God that moves. We thank you that you're the God of the miraculous. We thank you that you're the God of the supernatural. We thank you that you're the God that is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or even imagine. And so we fix our eyes upon you, Lord God. Be glorified. We've come to church with a sense of faith. And we've come to church with a sense of expectation, Lord God. And I thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives today. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said... Amen. Thank you. For those that don't know, um, Life Christian Centre is part of a, a group of churches called the Christian Churches in Australia. And uh, tomorrow we actually have a planning day for this year. Uh, that's why Pastor Ronald and his wife Ingrid are here uh, with us today. And Pastor Murray is here as well. And so I just pray for us. Pray for us as a group of churches with some great uh, people uh, that are part of the movement. And we just want to pray that God uses us as a group of churches. Pastor Murray is going to be sharing the word today. Not a stranger to our church, but for those that don't know him, uh, he is uh, the pastor of Crimson Life. Uh, church in Liverpool in Sydney and he's also part of the executive of the uh, CCA uh, has grown up in our church part of the family and we're so privileged to have him with us he's a man who loves God uh, hungry for the things of God and I know that God is going to speak to us today so would you give him a really big welcome uh, as he comes to minister and share the word with us today Thank you. good morning church how are you if you are wondering whether I started my fast yet, no, I haven't. We start our fast in February because it's just too hard to do it in January. Uh, fantastic. So good to see, see so many people here. Uh, Happy New Year to you all. Um, a new year always brings um, new opportunities. Most times we say, Happy New Year and may the favour of God be over your life. And everyone said, Amen. We look at opportunities that come, we say there's going to be opportunities that present themselves this year. I just want to seize them. Maybe God's got more for me this year. I just want to, want to receive it. I believe every year presents new opportunities for all of us. Sometimes the year before wasn't all that good. I don't know how year, what year was here in 2022, but one of my best friends died suddenly last year. I look forward to this year that no one dies. But I want to speak to you this morning. You know, um, I'm in two minds this morning. 
How many people, I'll just do a survey. How many people love a pastor who shouts? We've got a few people. Well, I'm a shouter. So bad luck for all of those others. How many people like a pastor who just talks to you? A few. Well, I'm going to try and do both this morning. I'm going to try and have a conversation with you. And um, uh, this message really comes out of hearing Pastor Joe last week. Um, I wasn't here. But for those who are still asleep, there's internet and stuff like that. So I went on. I don't know how many people have actually been on Life Church website. You can actually download last week's message. And so I downloaded the message and listened to it. And I, I really wasn't sure what the Lord wanted me to speak about until I listened to the message. And so, Pastor Joe, hopefully this will add to what you said last week. I want it to add to your life. Now, I'm not here this morning to try and dazzle you with my eloquence, which I don't have any, <laughs> or my wisdom, well, I've got a little. But I want, to, I want you to be awake to what the Holy Spirit says to you in regards to the Word of God. So picking up from the theme that Pastor Joe opened with last week and he spoke about prayer, but most importantly, the question was asked, Lord, will you revive us again? I want to start with the scripture that I believe Pastor Joe referred to last week and it's found in Psalm 85. I'm going to read it to you through the New King James, from the New King James Version. And it says this, verse 1, Lord, you've been favourable to your land. You brought back the captivity of Jacob. You've forgiven the iniquity of your people and you've covered all their sin. You've taken away all your wrath. You've turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God of our salvation. And cause your anger towards us to cease. God is a loving God, but he does get angry about certain things. Will you be angry forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? And then verse 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? So the psalmist here I'm saying, hey, God, we're just remembering that you brought us out of captivity. And for the people of Israel, this is a real thing. They knew that at some point in time, in the time of desperation, God is the one who set them free. Probably the story of our life as well as believers. We're brought from captivity of sin and slavery of sin and death. It says, you have forgiven us, Lord God, and we stand all here this morning entering into the presence of God and understanding the significance of that, that no unholy thing can come into the presence of God, but we can because we've been forgiven and made righteous before God. Then restore us, O Lord. And then that beautiful phrase, will you not revive us again, Lord? And so I think Pastor Joe said, it's not about praying for revival, but Lord, revive me. And I'm hoping this morning that you have a desire in 2023, no matter where you are in God. Maybe you just started out on, a, on your journey, you're just a new Christian. Maybe you've been work, walking with the Lord for a long time, that your prayer this morning would be, Lord, I need you in 2023. Revive me again. The book of Revelation 
Christ reveals to the Apostle John the things that were yet to come. But firstly, he addresses a state of the seven churches of Asia. And he speaks to the church of Ephesus the first time, uh, the first one. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. I know you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Sounds all good right now. I feel like this sometimes. The Lord's saying to me, you're doing really good. Persevered, patient, you stand for righteousness. But verse 4 says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstands from its place unless you repent. Now, I resonate with the first part of this scripture because, it, you know, I think I do my best for the Lord. Anybody here does that? We serve faithfully to God. We do everything we can. We get so caught up in serving the Lord with all our heart doing the things that God asks us to do. We have patience, perseverance. But sometimes we get so involved in the doing that we actually forget our first love. You have lost your first love. And so this morning, I, I want to challenge you, if you are desperate to return back to what I would say the first love, well, then maybe you might need to listen to me. Lord, revive us. Should be the prayer, Lord, revive me. And I, I know that Pastor Joe spoke on prayer last week, and I just want to give you a little brief my thoughts on it. Prayer is mostly about seeking God because we desperately need Him. Now, I don't know whether you need God, but the older I get, the more I realize I need God. And if it wasn't for God, I am lost, completely lost. I believe there's a Three different types of prayer. The first one is a prayer of dedication. And maybe over this month of 21 days of prayer and fasting, maybe one of the things that you could do is say, Lord, I, this year, more than ever, I want to dedicate my life to you. That living sacrifice. Another prayer is a prayer of restoration. Lord, work in me and do what you know needs to be done in my life. How many people need change? you got some people next to you not being so honest. You just tell them you need to change. My wife, if she was sitting next to me, I'd be telling you, you need to change. And she would say, so do you, buddy. I look in the mirror and I look at myself and I say, buddy, you need to change. And try as I want to, with all my strength, to change in my own efforts. Totally futile. Unless I allow the Lord and his word to work in my life. And then there's also a prayer of supplication. Prayer of supplication is a prayer that generally we, we all tend to do when someone is in need and someone that's sick. And we plead their case before God. Now, I don't know about you, whether you have things that you need to plead for, but maybe you need to plead for some things this year. And, and I, I just want to say to you that over the last six months in our church, we're not a big church, a, you know, a growing church, and uh, we've come through a 
pretty dry season and I just really felt about six months ago we've got to ramp up the prayer in our church and it's interesting because we've been doing it over six months and it's interesting as you begin to earnestly seek God in dedication and restoration and supplication uh, and I said we just need to dedicate ourselves to God in a greater way we need to allow God to work in our life restore some things in our life change some things in our life in a greater way and and then really present to the Lord the pressing needs and it's interesting, we've been bringing some pressing needs to God and, and it's strange, it's really, really strange that when you begin to pray, things begin to happen. I just want to give you a story of one person, I'm not going to mention their name. Um, uh, his wife's been coming to our church for about 12 months and we've just heard that this, the, her husband uh, loves God but was involved in a very large church in a very high capacity and got completely disappointed and disillusioned with the ministers and the leaders and the church and everything that happened to him. And it's been, it didn't happen last year. It happened like 10 years ago. And since then, he doesn't want to set foot in church. And so every time we gather together, we pray for him. He doesn't want to know about going to church. He doesn't want to know about meeting with ministers, even though I made myself available. He just hasn't returned the calls. He doesn't want to talk to me. And then we started praying. And then it's quite interesting that uh, we had a Christmas event on the 18th of December and the word got around that he's coming to church. And the interesting thing is that everyone was shocked. I thought, but we've been praying for this. We've been praying for him to come to the Lord. And, and it was just amazing because he didn't go home. He just kept talking to me the whole after the event, before the event. It was just amazing. It's amazing how God begins to work when we start praying. It's amazing how people begin to feel better when they're sick and we start praying. It's quite amazing that doors begin to open when we're stuck in a rut, stuck in a place when we start praying. And it's really strange that somehow your spirit and your heart begins to change as we draw closer to God as we pray to him and seek him. So I, I want to say to you over the next 21 days, if I can put a word in there, just to back Pastor Joe and what he wants to do in the church, and that is over the next 21 days, come to the Lord in prayer. Come to the Lord dedicating yourself to him. Come to the Lord saying, Lord, you, you need to restore some things in my life that are broken. Fix some things. And come to the Lord if there are pressing needs. And, you know, and, and I'm sure that if I were to ask every single person in this place, you could pray for two or three things that you know that are really important to you, people that you love, things that need to change. Don't give up on God. Because for the believer, that's all we have. We have God. Now, I want to say to you, you know, as I was preparing this message the other day, you know, our world's in crisis, right? Can we say amen to that? Or some people in la-la land. No, no. Our world is morally bankrupt. Is that true? Our leaders have lost their way. It doesn't matter which side of politics you fall, on the left or the right or the centre or the centre-left or the centre-right or wherever you are, or buried right under the ground, it doesn't matter. Our leaders have lost their way and we could probably say society's lost their way. Now that's really, really sad. But you know what's even sadder than that? What's really sadder than that is I believe that the church has lost this way. Christians have lost their way. I tell you why. Because prayer has become an option for the believer or even to the point of neglect. 
The word has become an option or even completely neglected. Gathering at church has become an option or even completely neglected. God's commands and his word have become optional and it's all based on our opinion. And it seems like those things you don't have to practice. You don't have to pray. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to actually believe in everything the Bible says. And you can still be a Christian. How far have we fallen? And so this morning, Lord, revive me again. How do we find our first love? How do we get back to where God really wants us? And, and the only way I can express it is to, to understand what the early church did just after Jesus ascended into heaven and the church was launched. I mean, they didn't come with a great marketing plan. I mean, they didn't get some graphic designers to design some nice logos and, you know, 10-point plan or 6-point plan or this is our strategy. They only had this strategy. Two, Acts 2, chapter four, uh, verse 42 says this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine or teaching and fellowship, mm. in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continually, daily, with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So what was the strategy? Well, if you had to nail it down to three key things, and one is the word of uh, prayer, the word, and the gathering. Prayer, the word, they continued steadfastly in the disciples' teachings and doctrines, and they gathered together. Now, if, if there was one strategy in saying, Lord, revive us again. Lord, let's see this nation turned upside down for Jesus. It's not because we have a better strategy than anyone else. It's because we've got the one and only strategy where God is allowed to work. And that's when we seek him in prayer. That's when we listen to his word and investigate his scripture and preach his word. And we gather together waiting for the presence of God to fall in our midst. I did our complete series on the book of Nehemiah and Ezra. A story of the people of Israel that were held in captivity for 70 years. 70 years from their homeland. And when they get back, the, the altar is rebuilt. The temple's been rebuilt. The walls have been rebuilt. However, there were still some more important things to reinstate. And if you have a look, I mean, all those things were, were important. Obviously, the altar was important. The temple was an important place to worship. And the walls were important because that's security. They had to do all things on the outside. But there was something which was really important that needed to be reinstated. And Nehemiah and Ezra called the people together for something that they had forgotten, they had lost, and they had neglected while they were in captivity. I'm going to read it to you, quite a bit of scripture, so just follow. We won't have it up there, but just listen to me. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, I'm reading from New Living Translation. All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. Now, the gates are also significant. I haven't got time to that. But when the scripture lists something, it's because it's important. 
And they asked Ezra, Ezra the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses. Now there's a good place to start in the word of God. Which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So while the people were in exile, they had completely neglected and forgotten about the law of Moses. Verse 2, so on October the 8th, this is New Living Translation, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and the women and all the children old enough to understand. Can, can I just, I, I was going to stop there just for a moment. How many of your parents here? Some people are parents and they don't even know about it. If your child is at an age of understanding and you put a tablet in their hand, can I just encourage you, maybe get some app that's got a biblical significance? Because they're never too young. So men and women and children, all those old enough to understand, gathered to hear the word of God. Verse 3, he faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to any, everyone who could understand and all the people listened closely to the book of the law. Interesting, men, women, and all that they were, all, all, the, all the children who could understand, they gathered together from early morning to about midday. And I heard that next week here, you're required to be here at six o'clock, and the service is going to go to 12 o'clock, and they're going to just read from the Word of God. How many people are showing up? I did the same trick at our church when I preached on this particular series. And I was like, who would come next week if all I did was read from the Word of God? There weren't too many people, eager people going, me, 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 come in. Because sometimes we tend to think that we can do better than the Word of God. But this is what happened. They listened closely. Because all of a sudden they go like, there's something missing in our lives. We were in exile for 70 years and something is really missing. What is it? And they open the word of God and all of a sudden it's got their attention. In verse 5, Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all people. When they saw him open the book, they rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all people chanted, Amen, Amen. And they lifted their hands and they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, I'm not too sure where Ezra was reading from. The people stood to their feet. You know, we, we hear the word of God spoken and read and, and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. He's just reading from the word of God. Yeah, it's, it's okay. But somehow they were in a desperate need. And when you're in a desperate need, you, you'll grab hold of something that sounds like life. And I want to tell you, the word of God is life. They rose to their feet and they all agreed and confirmed with a loud amen. I don't think we should stay silent in church. I'm also deaf so I can, can't hear you. I believe we need to be loud in church when the word of God is preached, when something good happens, when a testimony is given to give glory to God, not to man. It's not, it's not the applause, it's not for us, us on stage, but it's under God. And that's always make it unto God. And I want to say to you that when, the, when you get into the Word of God, it's going to do some things to you. And I'm hoping that this will give you an appetite over the next 21 days that you begin to start a habit in your life to say, Lord, I, I, I need more than what I have. And the first thing the Word of God will do for you is it will cause you to worship Him. 
Then Ezra praised the Lord and the great people and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen. As they lifted their hands, they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I want to say to you that when we read the word, it's not just another storybook. It's not just a book of poetry or a book of history or a book that's got some interesting things. Oh, let me see. I'm curious. No, when we read the word of God, it should cause us to worship him. Why, do we want, why would we be drawn to worship God like these people here that were desperate and they begin to hear the word of God? Because the word of God is a revelation of God, our creator. It's a, it reveals God almighty. It reveals God who is all powerful. God who is holy. God who's eternal. God who's ever present. God who's all loving. And God who is righteous. And that will cause us to worship him. Where else do we go? What else do we worship? Except God Almighty. And then they read from the book of the law of God, uh, uh, the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people to understand each passage. Verse 9, And then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priests and the scribes, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the, the, for the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. They read the word of God and it was explained to them. And as they begin to explain to them, weeping breaks out. When was the last time you weeped as you're reading the word of God? See, the word of God causes you to weep. Weep is like a a mourning. Weep is like a a, a recognition of a, a conviction that begins to happen in our heart. You know, and I heard Pastor Joe last week say, I'm not here to bring condemnation on you. And no pastor wants to bring condemnation on anybody because it's not our role. But the Word of God does bring conviction. The Word of God pierces to the very core of our soul and our spirit. Ever been in a service and it seems like the pastor has been reading your text messages? How did you know about that? We usually don't know. It's the Holy Spirit that knows. And don't put on the pastor something that the Holy Spirit has put on you. You're listening to me this morning? See, it it brings conviction. It it enlightens and reveals. When I preach a message, most times I know God... Help me to do what I'm saying. Because as I'm preaching, it's convicting me. As I'm preaching, it's bringing revelation to me. As I'm preaching, it's making my stinky thoughts come to light. And they begin to mourn. See, the Word of God helps each one of us to understand our position. Now, I'm not talking about your position in society. And you're lovely looking people this morning here. Look at you. This is the high echelon of the Society of Adelaide. It's all here this morning. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, hey, in life, God, I'm nothing. I'm a sinner. I'm helpless and I, I need a lot of help. And probably I need more help than all of you. But then also makes me understand that God's here to help me. That he wants to help me. That he loves to help me. That he wants to change me. He wants goodness to come over my life. 
He, he, he knows that I'm, I'm not a nothing, I'm someone in him. Verse 10, and Nehemiah continued. He said, go and celebrate with a feast. I love this part. A feast of rich foods. Ooh, the word's speaking to me right now. Sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people. I think this can be a little bit neglected in churches. I know not here because you guys eat really well. If God's blessed you, be a blessing to others. God giving you the means, bless other people. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't deject it and be sad for the joy. Joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites too quietened the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink, for the festive meals to share, gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they heard God's word and understood them. Can I say to you that we come to the Lord in a position of mourning because we understand our state and we understand our need and understand that we're broken, that we're frail and we need saving. And then when God comes and saves us, our morning turns into joy and we can truly celebrate. The word of God will cause you to celebrate. Hush, don't weep for the joy of the Lord is your strength. They went to celebrate with great joy because they heard the word and understood it. The word will bring clarity. It will reveal, it will give understanding. And as a result, all we can do is break out in celebration and rejoicing. I really believe that in the house of God, there should be joy. In the house of God, we should know how to celebrate. I love going to, been going to different churches and different pastors as a, my role with the CCA. And, and uh, we've got a few African churches and their culture is amazing. They just jump out and dance and carry on. And, you know, I'm a good little Italian boy who grew up in church and dancing wasn't of the Lord. So we just stood there and just, we just do that. But these guys go crazy. <laughs> If you don't do any of the crazy stuff and you want to do this, that's okay. We'll do it. Maybe just wiggle your toes or something, but, you know, it needs to make you break out and join celebration. And I would say to you, I'm not too sure your response would be if you just won $20 million at the lottery, whether you would just be going. The word of the Lord will cause you to celebrate, celebrate God's goodness, celebrate God's love, celebrate God's faithfulness, our salvation, our calling, our hope and eternal reward. And there's reason to celebrate. Can I just say to you, if there wasn't one more thing that you wanted to do in business next year, there wasn't one more thing that was going to bring a stack of money, it didn't happen, none of those things happened, you couldn't afford that car that you really want, nothing, nothing like that happened. But there's still reason to celebrate in 2023 because the goodness of God is over your life. Chapter 9 on October the 31st. I like this translation. It gives me dates. The people assembled again. And this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust over their heads. Those of Israelite descent, descent separated themselves from all the foreigners. And you need to understand, God had asked the people of Israel to, to remain within their people. And then they started intermarrying with all the other races. And of course, that sort of brought all other gods into their system. And, you know, keep the wife happy. You just bring her little God in and worship the God with my wife, my new wife, my foreign wife. And, and, and all of a sudden, this is, had mixed in. God said, no, I, I want you to belong to me. 
So they, they decide to separate themselves from the foreigners as they confess their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remain standing in place for three hours while the book of the law, of the law of the Lord, that God was read aloud to them. And then for three more hours, they confess their sins and worship the Lord their God. <laughs> so three hours standing as the word of God has been read. And then three hours just confessing and worshipping God. I, I, I say 2023, Lord, I'm going to really press into you. This year I'm going to give you five minutes of my day. These guys recognise their, their desperate need. They just spent 17 years in exile. Completely forgot about God. And now they were happy willing and ready to stand for three hours hearing the word of God and then three hours confessing. So they fasted, assembled and dressed in burlap, sackcloth, sprinkled dust. Here, I think it just makes me understand that the seriousness of their own heart, the need that they saw within themselves to press into what God had. And so they wore sackcloth. Sackcloth is a sign of mourning, not because someone has died, but because they had strayed so far from God and from the will of a will and the plan of God for their life. They had strayed so far. So they say, we, we, we want to die to all of that. They'd rebelled and rejected God and then they were mourning for all that they had done. And they confessed their own sins and confessed the sins of their ancestors. We, we don't just, you need to understand how much of what we carry from things that have happened in the past. And in a negative way, yeah, stuff that's happened through the, generations that happen it comes upon us but I also want to say on the the reverse is also true the blessing of God that many of the young people here have over their lives as a result of what God has done in the past we carried into now they remained standing for three hours while the word was being read. They confessed their sins and worshipped for three hours. Now, I don't know about you, but if I, if I was going to spend some time, I'm going to confess all my sin. Okay, Lord, forgive me. I wasn't very nice to my wife. I wasn't very nice to my kids. I said something I shouldn't have said. Okay, I repent. They spent three hours. Three hours just confessing as the, Lord, as the word's been read. Lord, we've sinned. Lord, forgive us. And you know, the, really, I'm not too sure. I haven't done any research on this, but the Old Testament way of confessing sin was by shedding animals' blood. But possibly this is the first time of a revelation of what was to come through Jesus Christ. As they're confessing, the Lord's forgiving them, and they worship for three hours. And we get tired. I, I get tired of worship after about five minutes with my hands up. I'm like... They can ask me to put it down now. Nehemiah 9.5, I nearly finished. Okay. Then the leaders of, of the Levites, they said, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, for he lives for everlasting to everlasting. And then they prayed, May your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above all blessings and promise. You alone are the Lord. You, are the, you made the skies and the heavens and all the stars and made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You, uh, you preserve them and the angels of heaven worship you. The whole, whole of chapter 9 is all about remembering what God has done. Some of us, as you embark in 2023, think like, I don't know what holds, what's going to come this year. No, we, no one knows. But maybe one thing that will help you through 2023 is recognize everything that God has already done in the past. 
So it's remembering how God had rescued them, how they had strayed, and how God had brought them back. And, and now they're renewing their covenant. And then chapter 10, it lists all those who ratified this. It's quite interesting, the Bible is so specific. actually names all the people who put their name and said, we're going to make a commitment to God that we're going to go back to him. Now, I won't read it to you because time's running out. But they solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commands, regulations, decrees of the Lord. And they separated themselves from pagan activities and godless living and made a commitment to follow the word, obedience to consecration, and a consecration to the, word, to the house of God. Chapter 10, verse 39. And I'm not sure where this is going to go with your messages in the future, but verse 39 says, And the people and the Levites must bring their offerings of grain, new wine, or olive oil to the storerooms and place them in sacred containers near the ministering priests and the gatekeepers and the singers. And we promise together not to neglect the temple of God. Lord, will you not revive us again? In prayer and in the word and the house of God. The house of God, I'll say that again, the house of God. It's everywhere. It's not, I'm sure here you're all here this morning, so we're preaching the wrong crowd, but for all those that aren't here this morning. See, if we made the word of God an option, if I have time, if I'm not too tired, once I responded to all my Facebook friends, done the Twitter and done the Instagram, done all those things, but then I'm tired, so Lord, I'll see you tomorrow. If I'm not busy, or if there's nothing better to do. We made the word of God a crisis intervention center. We go to it when we're in crisis. My marriage has fallen apart. What does the word of God say? We've made it a crisis center when I'm discouraged. I'll go. I won't read it any time, but when I'm discouraged, I'll go. There's a nice psalm I read. Psalm 23. It's amazing. Crisis center when I'm hurting God. Uh, you need to say something to me. Some have made the word of God a place where you go and see what your future holds. Lord, who am I going to marry? Show me what I need to do. Should I get this business? And I want to say to you, the Word of God can be all those things, but I want to t- tell you it's also much more than that. The Word of God needs to be your source. It's where you draw from for everything. Oh, just salvation? No, no, no. For everything. See, the Word of God needs to be a bread of life. Why? Because nothing in this world will ever sustain you when you're going through this life and then what is to come. It's the bread of life where we draw nourishment from. See, the Word of God needs to be the measuring stick where you weigh up and measure everything that's presented to you and you say, no, this comes short. What I'm about to do comes short to what God has asked me to do. What I'm about to do doesn't line up with the Word of God. See, the Word of God needs to be your clarifier. Why? Because there's so much much darkness and cloud all around us and confusion. Who do you listen to? You listen to your friends? Sometimes they're helpful. But maybe we need to go back to the Word of God where we can get clarity. The Word of God needs to be the corrector. In a modern day church, we don't like to be corrected. No one likes to be corrected. 
I had it when my wife corrects me. I had it when my children corrects me. But we need correction. And who are we going to go to? We go to our friends because they don't want to correct us. They just tell us, oh, you're a nice guy. You mean well. But the Word of God is a corrector. The Word of God needs to be your mirror where you look at it every morning. Oh, I'm getting old. No, you need to look at the Word of God because the Word of God begins to tell you the things that are not right inside of your heart. The Word of God needs to be an anchor because uh, the storms of life are going to buffet you. Things that you never wanted are going to buffet you. When my friend died last year, it really rocked me, buffeted me. And I had to get up and speak at his funeral, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I had to stand before the people and say, I, I, have, I have no idea why this happened. I don't have an answer. But I do know one thing. God is my hope. God is your hope. Whether for this life or for eternity, that's the anchor we need. And that comes from the Word of God. The Word of God needs to be a lamp that guides every step you take. The Word of God needs to be a light that guides your path that shows you and points out danger. The Word of God needs to be the sword that divides and separates your thoughts, your mindsets and your attitudes because we get so conditioned by the things of this world, by the, the, the philosophies and the ideologies of this world. And we need, we need fixing. Our thinking needs to be fixed and it's not going to be fixed unless we're into the Word of God. So I'm going to say to you, what value are you going to place in the Word of God this coming year? Israel was trying to rebuild their life. They're trying to provide a future for their children's children. And most of us here, if you've got kids and I've got grandkids, you know, I want to see my grandkids do really well. But what sort of circumstance are they going to grow under? The order was broken, so they rebuilt it. The temple was in ruin, so they rebuilt it. The walls had come tumbling down and reduced to rubble, and so they went and rebuilt it. The gates had been torn off the hinges and so they reset them. But the most critical thing they did was replace and brought back into the Word of God that they forgot and neglected so they could restate their place and purpose in, the, in what God had for them. So I'm going to say to you this morning, as you embark on 2023, what role does the Word of God play in your life? You pick it up when you're in crisis. Pick it up when you're looking for some clarity. Maybe you never pick it up. I, I, I want to give you a little challenge that you might want to take a more, just might be helpful. The devil doesn't want you to read the Word of God, by the way. He plays on, I had a busy day. Plays on, I'm just grumpy. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't even want to talk to God. Plays on all those things. He wants to keep you away from the Word of God. But put, a little, put, put something in place that's going to help you. I call it the 7-7 challenge. That's seven minutes, seven days a week. Seven minutes. Most of you spend way more time than seven minutes checking your status on Facebook. How many people have liked my birthday thing? Sent me a greeting. My picture I put up. What are they saying? And meanwhile, we just put the Word of God somewhere. We'll pick it up on Sunday. We used to carry it under our arms. Now we don't even do that. Seven minutes. Seven days a week. Only seven minutes. 
No, I know some of you do more than that. Get a little notebook. Just get one verse. Two. As you read it, say, God, speak to me. Begin to write down what God is saying to you. And I want to say, I, I want to say with all my heart, 2023, you'll see things begin to happen in your spirit and your life that you never saw for a long time. These guys had been away from the Word of God for 70 years and all began to change when they reinstated the things that were really important to them. Can we pray? Just close your eyes. Father, I stand here this morning and with my voice and with my heart, I, I present to you each one of us. We want to thank you, Lord God, with complete sincerity for all that you've done in our lives. You're always faithful to us, Lord. We know that no matter how far away we run from you, you always come looking for us. No matter how many times we, we mess up, Lord, and, and do what we know we shouldn't be doing, doing the things that aren't beneficial, things that break your heart, and many times things that break the hearts of the very people we love, that you're always willing to offer your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. We want to thank you. But we also draw attention, Lord God, to the things that very, very important. And your word this morning comes with clarity, bringing to us, Father, the neglect that many of us have been part of, neglecting prayer and seeking you with all our heart, neglecting your word. And we made it just a crisis center, Lord God. We hardly ever eat from it. We hardly ever go to look at it and read it. But Father, we make a commitment for 2023, Lord God. We want to reinstate the things that are absolutely necessary and beneficial for our lives and for our spiritual well-being. Not just for us, Lord God, but for your church and not just for the church, Lord, for our families, for our children and our grandchildren, Lord God, and our friends and our work colleagues, Lord God. Just help us, Father, that all of us would be courageous enough to admit the things that we know we should be doing and we're not, the things that are beneficial and yet we turn our backs to, Lord. I pray for this church, Lord, that this year coming, as they draw closer to you, have thirst for you, thirst for righteousness and your goodness and your favour, that everyone here will continue to grow in you in a new level, new dimension. Pray for this church, Lord, that the season of the harvest is not over. There is more to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. It's a great word. And, um, you know, I was just thinking that
Christianity is really not that complicated. <laughs> We've complicated it. Uh, what, a, what a great thing at the beginning of the year. Let's get back to the basics. What are the basics? The basics are prayer and seeking God and His Word and, and just diving into His Word. And what a great word. Great, encouraging word. Because out of that comes so much. You know, my, my brain is always thinking strategically. You've got to think, 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 think. And sometimes we don't need to think. We just need to get back to the basics. And I'm all for strategies, but they need to be built on a foundation of the basics, which is prayer and reading His Word and obeying His Word. And I just pray that that would become a reality and a revelation in our hearts today. And so, Father, we just thank You for Your Spirit. We thank You for Your grace. Just thank You that You're the God that still speaks today. And I pray as we leave this place, let this Word become... Um, a reality, a revelation in our hearts that says, oh, I need to start doing something with this word, that it's not just going to be another word, but it's going to prompt us to actually start to make some changes in our hearts and lives. We love you so much, Lord God. Love you with all of our hearts. Guide, lead us this week, we pray, as we live for you. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Amen.